Hey guys, welcome back to Free Game after our little hiatus. Uh, our, our owner of the studio, Mike, was in Japan um, for the Olympics and we just got back. Uh, Danielle Graves is my co-host today. I want to shout out Jeremy. He's actually helping us run an office up in South Carolina. Daniela Samina, uh, bio, bio, can you say it for me? Bioenergetic healing practitioner. <laughs> Bioenergetic healing practitioner. And then Daniel Sergi, uh, physicist, and he's just been blowing our mind the whole time, <laughs> just before the show's even started. A mind-blowing physicist. My, mind-blowing <laughs> physicist. Um, so again, guys, the whole concept of a free game is just unrestricted talk. Um, the whole concept is to get people to start thinking again and, and acknowledging you know, the specialness of, of what's going on on Earth. Um, we'll start off, and, and I'm just going to kind of start off with how when we, we met at the pizza shop the other day, um, Daniel kind of wanted to vet us uh, and, and let us know that he liked the show, and, and, you know, he was actually impressed with it. Asked us maybe cursed a little bit less, but, uh, <laughs> but other than that, was a fan. And we started off talking about coherence. Because um, I, I was asking more or less, like, how I get these signs or these feelings, these intuitions, and they just always come true for me and I just like know my intuition and he kind of explained it with coherence do you want to kind of start off explaining to uh, the listener what coherence is and how that might actually work sure first of all thank you for inviting us I am uh, very much appreciative of your uh, of the title of your uh, podcast because freedom in my mind goes only with information and responsibility and social engagement so you pretty much tick all the boxes Thank you again for inviting us. Of course, of course. Coherence. Um, if you if you think of those guys that row a boat, right? When when they row the boat in the same phase, when they when they pull at the same time and they push at the same time, that boat almost flies. Coherence is about putting things together in a in a consonant way so what do you mean by consonant way think at if if we pull together an object if we pull at the same time we make it easy if we pull at different times we may end up by opposing each other okay so you would have a coherence or decoherence of our effort and what I was thinking, uh, what I was speculating, facing the, the your testimony that your thoughts usually come through after a while, that made me think at why some people's wishes get fulfilled and others don't. Uh, and here, I, I I may go against at least half of the motivational speakers or uh, <laughs> everybody, right? You have to be coherent between what you consciously want, what your where your emotions go, where your what your mind wants to do, and the 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 indiv the individuality, the the identity that you have in doing that, and when all those things get aligned, that usually somehow energy follows intent which is a mantra that you will heal it everywhere you will hear it everywhere in uh, in energy healing and uh, and everywhere how energy follows intent maybe we can touch this later mm -hmm. <laughs> okay right well just from observation i'm his fiance so i've been watching him for a while he'll get a sign he will have an intention to act on it and then he'll do massive action 
right? It has to be in that flow for it to actually work out. And and signs for me um, are different all the time. The, the way I look at it is like, if you consistently follow them, then your ancestors or your angels or your guides or whoever it is that's giving you the signs knows how to communicate with you. Like they're learning your language and you're learning theirs. Um, and then sometimes like when I get super coherent, that's the way I, I put it, like I'll speak in electronics change and stuff like that. Like she's seen it. Um, Jeremy's seen it a bunch of times. I don't understand exactly why, but it's cool as hell. Like I hope it continues. I don't know if, if you could connect that maybe with Reiki or, or like energy or, or how would, would you guys have an assumption? Cause I would like to know more about it so I can keep, I mean, I don't think it's going anywhere, but. Um, yeah, I have more than just one thought and I'm very glad to, to share. Um, first, I would like to underscore the idea that we are underlying the idea that we are electromagnetic systems. Um, you don't have to be an energy healer. This is very well made clear in, in science in very various disciplines that the human body is basically a <coughs> some trillion volts battery and we do generate a field. Now, add to this what Daniel has described earlier, and look, you pointed out that coherence. So whatever we, we do, our intentions, our thoughts, our deeper underlying purpose, um, what really holds true to us, amplifies um, the intensity of our own field. And let's put a pin on that what surrounds us also does have an electromagnetic field. And while it's not common occurrence, I'm not going to say that every single time I'm seeing a, pen, um, a, a patient for, for any kind of healing session, bulbs will, will just burst in the room. While this is not commonplace, it does happen that in the process of healing, by changing the, um, um, the, the level of vibration, the energetic signature, if you will, of the interacting interacting systems we have occasional um outcomes such as electronics uh, interfering with each other or bulbs popping in the room or yeah it's not common though but it does happen it does happen. which is so cool i remember you saying so just a precursor um i met daniela through danielle <laughs> and we went to do like a reiki learning <laughs> lesson i got my base one reiki um and you were saying that you had turned on uh, a car engine that died doing it, if I'm correct? Yes, but that, yes. So um, it was um, several of us. We were like um, four students and um, myself a teacher was at the end of a bioenergetic healing class that, that I, ta I, I taught. And in the parking lot, this lady who also lives out of town couldn't start her, her car. And after this exhausting all the technical available means to get that started, including using the, the jump jump cables. Um, while waiting for you know the the, the car for service, you know to, to receive service, receive help, um, we started to do basically energy healing. So we put our hands there and and energize, energize, energize that, that the battery and visualizing, really feeling, really wanting to hear that engine roar and um, the car getting in gear and at some point I'm getting the, the clear message that, okay, that's it. it. It was a sense. It was like an inner voice saying, okay, that's it. And, um, when you know, you just know. Yeah. You, when you know, you just know. Right. And the lady goes in the car, gets the key in, turns the key, ram, ram, ram. Um, engine roars, car starts. So. 
And then that ties back to what you said about the coherence, like wanting yeah. it and then doing it. And it was the, the, the team. It was like a joint effort. It wasn't just me. You can put alignment instead of coherence and it will be just as uh, intelligible. It will mean the same thing, right? When all the things are aligned, in this case, the energy of those people were aligned to the same goal. It may look like um, uh, magic, but again, magic is only what we do not understand. If it happens, it's natural. Mm -hmm. I, I think magic is is natural. It's like prayer, the power of prayer. I mm -hmm. think that's magic. I think I think the stigma is the word. Yeah. Uh, yes, and basically when we say magic, we say something that gets out of the of the present framework of understanding of our humanity understanding the universe, right? Maybe some other guys would laugh and they or probably will smile because they have to be smarter than us and so right. they don't love this smile mm -hmm. at us, right? Um, but if 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 you look at the continuum of, of vibrations, right? If, if you take it from low to high, you will see that at every stage you have receptors and you have, you have sensors for that particular vibration, right? I see between some red and some violet. Um, a bee would see ultraviolet. Um, a, a serpent would see infrared. Right, so there is a continuum. Now the things is, the the question is, what happens when the when the, uh, the vibration goes even higher? Because they usually change fundamentally the properties. And the same electromagnetism that was that Daniela was saying that is it's only one of the four forces that we reckon today in physics underline. Okay. Um, Electromagnetism, if it's low frequency, is just heat. This is how you heat a, a, a pizza with a, with a resistor, right? Then if it goes higher, is a, is a radio waves. If it goes even higher, it's um, uh, light. If it goes even higher, it's, it's uh, uh, X-rays or gamma rays. Who knows what happens if it goes even higher? And then what, what causes it to go higher? You see here, I would, I would turn it and I would say what causes it to go lower. Mm. Okay. Because the higher the frequency, the higher the energy. It looks like it, it kind of, you, you, you wouldn't believe if I will tell you that something of low energy makes high energy. But you would accept rather easily that something that has a high energy will lose some energy or will will downgrade that energy in a in a in a inferior, let's say in a lower energy form, right? So at some it's it's in my mind it's it's a game of octaves going down by halving frequencies than us doing some uh, something special with ourselves to increase our energy when we say that we increase our energy which i believe that we all should do what we do is that in fact we we hone we polish our lenses we polish our sensors and we become aware of the higher energies that exist and maybe all those things that we can call angels 
um, to thrones, uh, name them, fairies, all those entities, realities, forms of energy manifestation would be probably just some energy frequencies for which we do not have, or most of us, we don't have receptors for. Mm -hmm. They're okay. on a different vibration. Correct. Mm -hmm. So like the fairies, that's going to kind of tie in. Um, I just read something about them. Basically, I've been looking into like Italian, like witchcraft, like Strega and stuff like mm -hmm. that, because that's, that's my ancestry. Mm -hmm. um, Danielle and I's first date, basically, like not basically, we did like magic. And I just had this feeling that she was Diana, who I just found out was like the queen of witches. And then yeah. she kept saying she felt like there was three women like hovering around her. And we've done like different things with like energy before where like she gets Hecate all the time, who's wow. the queen of witches. Wow. Right, right. Yeah. So an was. Antonio, my buddy mm -hmm. that was on the last podcast, mm -hmm. is the, he was losing his shit because he was like, oh my God, Hecate, I have tattoos over like tattoo, yeah. <laughs> We didn't know who she was. And so like I keep feeling like they choose her and like want us to do the, like this whole thing, almost like create like the garden or like right free game, like <laughs> elevate it. Um, so fairies, angels, all kind of the same thing. Um, and then again, it seems like they, they choose her and they want me to like do these, these other things. Um, and all the signs lead to it, like wild shit. Like it's hard to even explain, like just go off the top. But I'll see auras and colors and then like, I'll be like, I'll hear like a voice or something. I'll be like, Nono, is that you? And I'll look to the right and all of a sudden like a sign will say my Nono's name and then like a song will change. And it's like, all right, cool. Like you're clearly communicating with me. Um, how would you explain that, I guess, from your background? Because I know you have a background in some of this stuff, mm -hmm. right? Yep, I do. So I think there's different ways to look at it. Um, let me go with the simplest. I think that, in my humble opinion, uh, I don't like talking about extrasensory perception. Because bottom line, when um, we see, or those of us who can see in multiple spectrums of frequency, let's put it that way, um, what we see is not necessarily available to everybody, which doesn't mean that what we see isn't really there. As Daniel mentioned before, there are forms of life that can see in infrared. I wouldn't call my cat clairvoyant just because it sees in the dark much better than I do. Oh, I would say that um, <clears throat> uh, the cat's physiology is adapted to that kind of environment. And the seeing part, I can still see with my eyes. So it's not an extra sense. It's, let's say, a better evolved um, sense of sight. Um, bottom line, this um, so-called extrasensory perception is nothing but a process of neurophysiological refinement. So it is a constant polishing, refining of skills, senses that are already there. And um, I'm going to jump in for the yes, listener. Please. Basically, what she's saying is that, correct me if I'm misinterpreting mm -hmm. this, but basically it's in your brain. But if you work it out, it gets stronger like Absolutely. a muscle. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's the best way of putting it. Um, whatever sense you choose to develop, then, of course, that sense. And this is why we have yoga techniques. We have techniques coming from different native indigenous practices we have native american mm. ways of of approaching shamanic practices we have um, techniques coming from italian witchcraft from strega from um, romanian witchcraft from so that's there's a multitude of ways to uh, produce this neurophysiological achieve this neurophysiological um, um, 
um, refinement. Now, it's worth um, adding that um, like everybody has its own talent, its own strength. So there might be easier for some to develop the sense of sight and start seeing things, perceiving auras and colors. Uh, some people are like born clairaudient, clairsentient, so their perception channels may be different. But nonetheless, I'm 100% on the same page with look. It's in there, and it is a matter of personal choice and training to bring it forth. Yes. Antonio was saying, too, like, um, he said, basically, the issue with, like, modern society is because we've now called, like, whiteness or blackness. What happens is, mm. like, white people, lost, like, so you didn't, right? So you're Romanian, you're in touch with your Romanian roots. A lot of white people have lost contact with like or touch with their their nordic roots or their germanic mm -hmm. roots and that's where their magic is and it, it doesn't mean like devil or it's like the opposite it really means <laughs> like god like it's like like th they mm -hmm. use like psalms and like bible verses and things mm -hmm. like that you see if you if you allow me to inject here yeah, something please. right that's it uh, one fundamental axiom of hermeticism the fundamental axiom of hermeticism is as above so below right mm -hmm. so let's keep this in mind pin it down as somebody was saying here okay so keep this in mind there is a variability right i cannot do the same things that you can do and uh, so basically e every individual every form of life every species every has pa some particular form of adaptation some particular features now in the end we have to rely one on to others perception forces talents whatever because we all explore humanity right i do not need to go on the moon neil armstrong did it for me I do not, there are lots of things that I do not need to experience myself because I trust my fellow human to have experienced it for me, right? Good. So this would be one line of attack. The other line of attack is that you always need some form of transducer, right? You need a microscope. You need a, a something that a, a, a piezo crystal that transforms vibration into electricity, right? Maybe a fairy is... Wait, wait. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yes. interrupt on the fairy. How does it... Go back to the crystal thing, because I love I have stones on me right now. I love <laughs> crystals and stones. How does that work? And I, we, we can circle I'll back finish. to this. No, no, yeah. no. I'll, fi I'll finish my line with fairies, and we can go back okay, to yeah, crystals. Okay, yeah, yeah, because I want to hear about fairies. Okay, right? So you have... You need translators, right? You need educators. You need, you need adapters of knowledge, right? Between the immaterial and the material, meaning that material is something that we can measure according to the materialist physics um, that started uh, well before uh, Galileo and Newton, but okay, and today. And immaterial, which is belief, religion, energy, I'll come back to the energy thing, to energy word, okay? There might be some transducers. In my mind, fairies are at the cusp between immaterial and material. Somebody has to do this thing for me. If something that exists in the mind comes to exist in matter, 
somehow this transition has to be facilitated. It requires some knowledge. It requires some instruments, a framework. What do I know? I know that if I need to do something, I need to think at that something. I need to put some things together and take some things out, if you remember my example with the pencil. And I have to do all these things with a lot of knowledge, maybe with previous trial and error, and only in the end I can produce a pen or something, an object useful for somebody else, right? So if you want, I materialize an architect or architects and constructors and building engineers, they materialize a building. It's nothing magic about that. Mm. Right. That's in alignment with Hermetism, right? The Kabbalian mental transmutation, exactly. right? Exactly. Universe is mental. Exactly. So we're creating it kind of mentally. Correct. And it manifests. And, and in Kibalion, where you have the law of vibration, this is basically what quantum mechanics says. I was just thinking, I was associating again, because my original background, I mean, again, I love the Bible and, and Jesus. It's the teaching from the church is where I usually get my beef with. But like, for me, it would be the angel that comes to Mary and brings Jesus. It would be like, that would almost be like a fairy, right? Like doing the work or no. Who knows how many layers? <laughs> fair answer. How many layers of spiritual energy and material energy had to come into play so that you get Jesus? And yes, maybe Gabriel was just the announcer of this project or process approaching uh, conclusion. Well, conclusion. Right, right. Temporary conclusion. <laughs> Everything is a beginning for something mm -hmm. else, right? But if you want me to turn very quickly to crystals, yes. what is special about crystals is that the atoms repeat the order at distances vastly bigger than the distance between them. So even a crystal that to your eyes looks imperfect, Taking into account that you have few billion billions atoms in a mill, all those atoms will be in coherence if you want. Okay. They will vibrate in consonance. And this is what makes a, a, a crystal powerful. So like there is the when I feel the crystals, I can feel the power. You can feel the power, and here is a bit um, uh, you see crystals okay and, and I'll announce the, the theme now and maybe we can go to it later right so the theosophic writings in at the beginning of the century uh, Alice Bailey they, she starts by writing under the, the um, channeling the um, ascended master Jalkul about the uh, consciousness of the atom Nowadays, there is a there is a guy called Don Hoffman, if I if, my, if memory serves, that uh, talks about the consciousness agent. A consciousness agent would be a, a a small automaton that has a perception, is able to take a decision based on that perception, and based on that decision takes an action, and that action becomes the source of a new perception. Okay. Now an atom 
If we define consciousness as the ability to sense something in the environment and take some action according to what you sense, then an atom of sodium and an atom of chloride will sense each other and will take that decision to become a molecule of salt. So there is a low level of consciousness. Aggregates, the bigger they become, I don't know why would anybody would be against, the more complex they become, the level of consciousness those aggregates get as, a, as an aggregate increases, right? Therefore, I, if I accept this as a discussion, and you see that what, what the consciousness of the atom so defined and the consciousness automaton that I just described, they are basically the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. But then they interact, and then one's decision becomes source of perception for the other. So now you begin to have loops of all sor sort of kinds. If you arrive at, now if we turn from one, from a couple of atoms to the crystal, it's almost like you can educate a crystal. I, I, I don't know. So I am doing energy work, and I work with crystals, right? And it so happens that my master's in physics was about crystals. I mean, half of what I was doing was <laughs> crystals, right? It's the physics of condensed matter and solid state physics, which basically it's about crystals. So this is why I, 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 I have a certain apprehension, if uh, apprehension in working with crystals because they can become extremely powerful. So if you work with a crystal that is natural, that Mother Earth produced it, it's one thing, you consecrate it, you clean it, you instruct it, it works. I've got a crystal that was created in laboratory. Much bigger, absolutely perfect. I had, I cannot describe it another, uh, in, in other terms. I had to instruct, I had to school that crystal to help me in, in healing. With your intention. Yes, but I had to educate him. I, it's somehow like if, if I would, if I would tell a, a crystal, a, a natural crystal, transmute energies. That crystal that has, I don't know how many millions and zillions of billions of years in the crust, he would know what transmutation is. My crystal that was created in laboratory from molecules that had no previous impressions had to be taught what transmutation is. It's like a kid that you have to take it by hand and say. How do you, how do you teach a crystal? What do, you, what do you mean by that? Or tell a crystal to transmute something? In my case, it was just addressing it like a child. I, I, I would not be able to. Okay. But then again, and this nobody can take it from me because I know that it happened. Okay, it mm -hmm. happened twice in my, I mean, it happened in a, in a number of occasions in my life because I was doing uh, thin films, screen th semiconductor films, whatever. If you think that something will happen, you will help that thing happening. Goes back to the coherence I, at the beginning. I know that it's, I mean, uh, the materialists, physicists will, uh, will uh, stifle me, whatever, okay, will lapidate me. I leave that, <laughs> so nobody can, you understand? Nobody can take this from me. I know that if I think at that process happening one way, it happens in one way and in exactly the same conditions. Somebody else tries to replicate it, he doesn't get it because he's not thinking those atoms the way I think them. 
And it was a meditation. I mean, I've spent weeks looking at the Mendeleev table at the crystalline structure of those atoms. I came, I don't know what happened. If you would ask me what happened, I don't know. But I educated me and probably I began to be able to educate them. I don't know how to say. So mm -hmm. uh, if I would tie it back in the beginning where I was saying like, when I feel like I get these signs because I consistently act in a certain way so they know how to communicate with me. Like again, back to the Bible and it says like, I think when it says like, you know, the burning bush talked to Moses, it might've been the same way we're saying like, talk to the crystal like in a different way but the communication was there like again the translations of the words i think is where people get thrown off with things like when i say like i see things coming i don't truly mean like i see them i like just sense them and know um and I'm, that's kind of how i'm understanding what you were saying right there like, and probably it was not easy for you to believe that you at, f at first like thought, it wasn't for me i mean yeah. it was a process for me until now you see me saying it like yeah. it took me years it to took me years mm -hmm took me I'm 35 I started this process at 21 and like now I like get it and I know when I know before I would misinterpret things and I would like da 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 I don't really do that now yeah no I had to cross out a lot of explanations yeah until this one stayed okay was there and then based on that explanation I've been able to replicate it in a different environment so uh, sorry this is science I'm this is if you people say oh scientific right? what is scientific scientific means that i am measuring something in a way and then i send you look uh, listen i did this contraption and i measured this thing could you please try it and you try your contraption done by you and if you get pretty much the same not exactly pretty much the same thing you will believe we both would believe that we are onto something right right that's exactly what what science does so well, science Everything. just comes yeah. from the word for knowledge, right? It's all about knowing. Mm -hmm. It is, no. It is about operating on the edge between knowing and unknowing. Okay? When I began study physics, I, I got the realization that physics is not what I know, is, is not about what physics knows, is about what physics doesn't know. You have okay. to push that boundary little by little and it's painful and it's hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that work onto that same thing and they have to trust each other and they have to believe mm -hmm. into what each other is doing. So you see that belief is not just a, a religious uh, a religious term. Well, it always comes back to faith in the Bible. That was his hardest point. He's like, you just have to have faith. People could not even have faith in themselves. So how are they going to have faith in others? And the parable is the faith of the mustard seed, right? It grows. Mm -hmm. It starts off small and it grows and then you can move mountains in literal or metaphorical. And what, it, it, what if you want the, the footnote that probably needs to be done when, when Jesus said that if you would have faith as a mustard seed, you would be able to tell those mountains move and it will move. The footnote would be, if your bodies are aligned, <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, 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 <laughs> and you have the faith. <laughs> makes that makes complete sense. And then, what? So, why do you think, um, like anybody's thought on this, that there is almost it feels like a pushback? Not a pushback. There's actually it seems like there's actually a huge curiosity now. I think the internet's going to help that. Even though I'm talking <laughs> about, I just deleted my social media off my phones and stuff. I think, um, back to the Bible, 
you know, it talks about like, you know, the changing of the age. Revelation just means to reveal. Apocalypse just means to reveal. Of the new age is just a time when everybody can see. But it's almost like there's a theoretical fear of beyond the material, but then at the same time, everybody wants God. So, like, it's this weird. I don't know how to make sense of other people's thoughts on that. I don't know if anybody might be able to help me on that one. I think we can all acknowledge it's a shift, right, in some form. But whether it goes from material to spiritual, which is my hope, is kind of the gray area, right? You see, uh, this, um, uh, we are at the, maybe, I, d I don't want to say at the end, but we are at the, we are reaping today the benefits of a mental effort that started long time ago, but it became manifest with Galileo and Newton when the modern science begins. In the, about the same time, Descartes Cartesius came with the idea that you, the universe is a machine. Now, mind you, that doesn't mean that the universe is a machine. He just found a simplification because the universe is too complex to address it in all its complexity. So this is what you would do. You would create a simpler model. You push that model as much as it as it you can push it and then you make a better model and so on and so forth now this universe as a machine took us by to being able to send voyager to beyond the the limits of the social of the solar system it took us to do chemical uh, chemicals uh, do drugs do semiconductors do uh, everything telephones so we are a material civilization we reap the benefits of centuries of material science. I'm not saying that we forgot God, but the, if you look at the history, what they decided at some point in time was, listen, we scientists are going to, to deal with what we can measure, and you guys in church religion will deal with what we cannot measure. And then we don't talk to each other anymore. So you are at the present a day when when it's it looks like there is an opposition between science and religion where I see none. Same. I I, I actually think science proves it. I think science. But I do believe that they will converge, but again, you have to you have to think out of the box, and you have to you have to renounce deliberately at considering the universe as a dumb machine as a cause-effect machine, I mean material, what you can see it if you don't see it, if it doesn't exist. So that goes back to kind of Schrodinger's cat. Um, not back to, so Schrodinger's cat, for those of you that are unfamiliar, I'm gonna explain it in my way and then probably mm -hmm. correct me if I explain anything wrong. Schrodinger's cat was a thought experiment by Erwin Schrodinger, um, this famous quantum physicist. And in it, basically, if you put a cat in a box and you say that this thing of poison is gonna go off, it's gonna kill the cat at, we'll say, minute five, right when you before you open the box at minute five at that exact moment there's a 50 percent chance the cat's alive and dead and in that moment the cat's both alive and dead until it's observed and this has been proven we don't know exactly what it means but it basically means everything is possible until it's observed and then it is we go into quantum mechanics which is very interesting 
I mean, and again, I, I don't want to steal here uh, completely the show, so I'll, I'll turn it uh, back to Daniela uh, very soon, but quantum mechanics is very, it's very demonstrable, right? So we demonstrated it beyond any shred of a doubt. And, but you will find l not uh, fewer physicists that say we do not understand it. Nobody understands quantum mechanics. No, th that means that understandings are, are split and there are interpretations. Okay? What we agree with is that quantum mechanics, is, is that nature looked at from a quantum perspective is discrete in the sense that things can be only on certain levels, not anywhere between those levels, for one. And the other thing is that it's based on probabilities. At times, you cannot say with certitude what happens. You have to allow probabilities. And here there were a number of interpretations, and only in the interpret in the the so-called Copenhagen interpretation um, uh, Bohr and uh, Heisenberg agreed with, you would have that cat as long as you do not know the probabilities would be 50-50. Right? The moment where you open the box you will see if that if the um, radioactive material that was supposed there because you need the you need a random process to kill the cat so the complete experiment is that you put that complete thought experiment is that you put some radioactive material that after a certain dose would kill the cat and you put the cat you close the box if that radioactive material radioactivates so to say then the cat dies if it doesn't it the cat is still alive you have no way to know until you open the box so this was the experiment was was more to to underline the idea that there are things that we cannot know until some moment but it goes to a to a larger um, a, a question of observability and what is an observer because the the other thing fundamental that happens in quantum mechanics is that you need an observer and the observer is part of the experiment and in the end everything and everybody is an observer so uh, the the other interpretation just for completeness the other interp important interpretation is is uh, uh, a bond de Broglie interpretation that says that no it, it's quantum theory can be understood as deterministic but then you have to accept non-locality meaning that there are things here that influence things there outside of the relativistic uh, framework of Einstein and uh, and that ties into entanglement, right? Non-locality is basically mm -hmm. and entanglement. That exactly, exactly. And, and the difference is basically that if you understand that you transmit information via energy, so if I send the information about my status, okay, so we both are in some status. We, d we discussed before and there is some connection between us, okay? And now Daniela and Daniel, somewhere independently, one of them measures your state and the other one measures my state, right? And the entanglement shows that because we talked once in a while, when they measure at, as, at the same time or 
after it, I mean at simultaneous moments or not, if I say something that will be probably connected with what you are going to say, because we discussed before, if you want a, a very, okay? I am not sending you the information with a pigeon, because if the information about my status reaches you with an energy form, that energy has to make it from me to you in a finite time, that is the distance between us divided by the speed of light. But if information is transmitted as information, not as energy, then there is non-locality. The information can go at the same moment from here to there. There is no need for, a, for an energetic vehicle. And we see this, and now I'll pass it to you because you, you, you do this much better than I do. This is why you can heal at a distance. Mm. And this is proven, it's proven beyond, <laughs> again, it is proven, right? Statistically proven, if you want. I'm gonna ask you a question about healing at a distance right now, actually, mm -hmm. it ties into the entanglement. Danielle was with me when it happened. Um, talking about that time with Bobby. Uh, oh, yes. So I have this older guy that, that works for me, or works with me, I guess I should say, um, that I helped him out a lot, and he used to call me his Jesus. Like, he used to, like, text me every morning, be like, hey, you know, like, da-da-da, right? Um, and Danielle, you know, it's one of her, her first times coming up and, like, visiting, and before I go to sleep, you know, I say prayer. Um, so I'm praying. And I'm like, you know, I hope I can be a help to people. And apparently he must have been praying at the same time. Um, I all of a sudden felt something hit my heart. And, and I don't have anxiety. I fell to the ground and was like freaking out that I had a heart, was having a heart attack. I was looking at Danielle and was like, yo, did you just do this? Like what just happened? Like I'm freaking out. And all of a sudden I just knew it was Bobby. Like when you know, you know, mm -hmm. which is the weirdest thing ever for me to think of Bobby like th at that. So I call him up. And as soon as he answers, he starts crying and he goes, how did you know? How did you take that? He said he felt like he was going to have a heart attack and was praying to Jesus to save him. And it got sent to me. And maybe because my heart's strong enough, I handled it. But she was there. I, yo, I don't have anxiety. I fucking fell to the ground and was like shaking on the ground and was looking at her and was like, yo, what just happened? Like, what are you doing? Like, uh, like I couldn't like move and get up off the ground. Um, and then all of a sudden I was like, it's Bobby. It's not her. It's Bobby. And just like, I'll be okay. Does it and and i called him it's like late and he answered and just goes how did you know you are my jesus like i was just, <laughs> and he goes i was gonna have a heart attack i think and i was like i think i just almost did dude what did you just send me um but that happened like again like well. nobody could tell me it didn't happen she watched it happen mm -hmm. i didn't know i didn't know bobby's going through heart issues or anything yeah so like the healing at a mm -hmm. distance i've unintentionally done that so before getting into, into what happens at, at a distance, across distance, let's talk a bit of what happens in proximity. Um, I don't really use the term healing because that has kind of medical connotations and if somebody comes to me, I'm not really healing them. Uh, what happens is I facilitate the other person coming into a better balance, inner balance, reach that level of homeostasis where actually natural healing processes can take over and carry on within within that body, whether, you know, body in its entirety with, with the energetic and the physical substrates and the emotional. So um, I'd like for us to think, um, there is a term called entrainment 
And entrainment uh, is, is simply explained as two, again, back to electromagnetic systems, two electric or electromagnetic systems uh, coming together, locking into phase, and influencing one another. First question that arises is what system influences what? Um, logically, we think that the more, uh, the stronger one influences the other. Now, the stronger system, the one with a higher intensity, is not necessarily the best balanced one. So think um, of, of a energy healing practitioner, whatever the modality, whether it's shamanic, reiki, <coughs> you name it. And that person themselves, they're not in a really good place, physically or emotionally. Therefore, their energetic field, at the time being, doesn't function. It's not perfectly coherent or cohesive back to our starting point for the discussion today in such situation they will either take on a heavier blow coming from the very person they're trying to help and get even further destabilized in their attempt to help you're dealing with a stage four you know terminal cancer and you're trying to bring some comfort some balance um to the suffering person and instead of that they are going to destabilize you. They may be the stronger system. Um, and this happens in proximity. So rule number one, a little bit on a tangent here, is for that, for the person whoever engages with the practice of, of uh, bioenergetic um, balancing, is to take care of themselves and make sure they are in a place of balance, in a place of inner cohesiveness, from where they can help influence through this training process, they can help guide uh, the other person's energies. Um, I get a sense of this question floating in the air. It looks like a sharp left. I promise it's not. I'm bringing it home in a second. There's no sharp left so on the show. <laughs> Trust me, you're good. Okay. So, uh, where it's free game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's free game. Go, go where you want free to. Game. I'm in. Okay. So uh, you might be wondering where crystals and other natural materials fell into this. Uh, think of them as, just very shortly, um, as amplifiers. And it, it, they, they contribute actually to the one who uses them to deliver more, to deliver faster. Let's put it succinctly this way. Um, now let's take these things at a distance. What happens at a distance? Uh, first, of, first of all, the experiments uh, conducted around the um, entanglement, particle entanglement um, demonstrated, showed that actually information moves across distance. Uh, we can add to this the very instantly. Instantly, yes, it, it's in real time, so it's not. It has no delay. It um, doesn't move, right? It just, it just exactly. is there. So, for those who are not familiar, this happened on twin photons. So, photon particle of light split into two, separated into into different con containers in void, five miles away from one another. And whatever kind of stimulation, whatever behavior one particle would display in one lab due to the stimulation it was exposed to, the other particle, the twin particle, will, in real time, display the exact same behavior. So, um, and Daniel can, can tell us about Rupert Sheldrake and, and his observations on, on crows and, and his postulating. Um, so I'll leave that to him um, in a moment. So bottom line, um, if we consider that there is more space, and I'm making bunny ears here, 
if you consider that there is more space than actually finite matter and this space is supposedly filled with something that makes information makes possible the traveling of information across across distance whatever applies in the proximity applies at a distance as well as above so below um, there is means of communication I'm piggybacking on 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 Daniel's um, example here when you send things at a distance you can do it with physical means means like use pigeons to deliver your letters or you can do it differently you can do it through sheer energy and one small detail to that I, that I want to add to this is the concept of not the concept the reality of oneness the fact that we do all partake from the same energetic substrate and also the individual form so they're both important because in the individual form we become the one who delivers the intention who really uh, puts out transmits acts like a transmitter for that bit of information uh, which is basically encoded energy encoded to go to a certain destination reach a certain target and then because there is the oneness this information doesn't move in hops doesn't move in in, in skips it actually travel along a a continuum and it all go all goes back to the um intent to the fact that the the experimenter the one who's doing is also part intrinsic part of the experiment itself and of of, of the system it goes back to the fact that it has to be really, really strong alignment and cohesiveness in between the intent, the mental, the um, emotional. So everything has to come together for this transfer really to occur and really to be possible. So it does require training. It's not that whatever I'm going to think randomly is going to reach a, a distant target or is going to manifest um, um anything and the rest of it is explained in in Kibalion. you think you look mm -hmm. at the uh, principles um the her hermetic principles and you have lots of explanations there you see if you look at what happened between you and bobby first of all i would say that both him and you were very lucky because what what you describe if it if i would show you an experiment with the car whose battery is drained that you jump start with a car nearby using two cables there would be no magic in it right what we see here it's it's pretty much what happened for all intents and purposes i could describe this right like a sort of a jump like a sort of a pacemaker like uh, but le let's keep the the the, the jump uh, start uh, metaphor here right it's like you jumpstart Bobby and he's been lucky enough that your heart was full of energy because any affliction in your case would probably mm -hmm. drain both of you, right? But what happens, so it is the same thing. Why wouldn't I accept it as such and begin to investigate? Why would I need to say, no, 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 this cannot exist because I cannot measure it? Because there are a number of fallacies here. First of all, I am constructing instruments of measure based on my understanding and based on my perceptions at this moment. I cannot measure immaterial phenomena with material devices. Why would I? Right? Because I need some sort of adaptation. 
Here we can go into a whole discussion if mind is material or not, if mind is in the brain or is outside of the brain. We can go lots of places and for this indeed I, I send you to Sheld Rupert Sheldrake, mm -hmm. right? But let me get a little bit closer to, to close this, uh, this segment by uh, evoking a guy that I, I, I love, I, for me, it, it, he never died, uh, Richard P. Feynman, Nobel Prize physicist. Um, I recommend everybody to look on YouTube to all his lectures and everything. Um, he taught me one thing, and he's been very nice in another instance. He taught me that at one time he says, listen, there are many people that have a problem when they don't know. I don't have a problem when I don't know. It's something fundamental here because we, we hold to what we know with the fear that if we let that thing go, we would get lost in the ocean. So we grab our safety raft and we believe that it's the only thing that floats in the ocean. Who knows? There are many other things that float on the ocean. It was a guy that was, a, they say, able to walk, right? right. <laughs> so this is, and the other thing is that he had tremendous contributions in quantum electrodynamics. Has his, so basically his work is in every tele, everybody's telephone today. It's, uh, it's not voodoo, right? And he's been, somebody thought that they would corner him, asking him, Mr. Feynman, do you believe that God exists? And his answer was, I do not have enough data to prove his non-existence. <laughs> I, um, I actually, <laughs> I was listening to a physics book um, called The Field by Lynn McTaggart. And um, in the beginning, she says, a big fallacy is many people think you can um, prove things and then there's a lot of things that aren't true that you can't disprove. She said it's the opposite. She said you can't ever at 100% like truly prove something, but you can truly disprove things. Um, I thought it was interesting. I immediately thought of God, and I was like, okay. Yeah, more generally, a, a, a theory in order to, fee, to be acceptable as a theory, not as truth, it has to include the possibility of being demonstrably fail, false. Right, so if a if a theory is not is non falsifiable, means that you have to take it on pure faith, which is still not. Ex I mean, in this context, is not acceptable, right? So a, a theory has to have the possibility, at least the mental possibility, that you can create. There might be instances in which you would be able to disprove it, and then if in those instances you prove it then it's a solid theory. Can I piggyback something here? Um, the, the dismissive attitude, or the dismissive stance that's been occasionally taken in by purely materialistic scientists, um, they usually say, well, that's, that's um, um, empirical evidence. Well, it's still evidence. And let's not forget that 
still close to the turn of the 20th century, we didn't know about the existence of germs. So Samovais, the, uh, the scientist who demonstrated proof, in the end he proved the existence of, of germs. In the beginning he was thought to be as, as, as a lunatic by what was the medical profession back then and their ability to investigate, and I'm going to really underline this, investigate. Um, the, there is the tendency to disprove what we cannot measure and observe, let's put it that way, in, in, in very objective and very quantifiable ways. And that's the limitation. Germs in the beginning, they were not observable, they were not measurable. It doesn't mean they were they did not exist. It doesn't mean they weren't there. And in the same vein of thought, whoever could imagine a hundred years ago the the invention of, you know, like this small device that you press some buttons and later didn't don't even touch the press buttons. You just touch a sort of a screen and you can see to whom you're talking that was like really unimaginable. This was the realm of science fiction, and it is part of the. It's it's like commonplace today. It's part of our everyday reality. What I'm getting with all this is that new ways to measure, new ways to quantify um, and analyze emerge tremendously fast. Technology evolves very fast. So we do not know where and what we could observe things and with what devices 100 years from now. We have, we had a microscope, we have an electronic microscope, we have telescopes. Who knows in what spectrum we'll be able to observe using what devices to really see. And everybody who doesn't have the ability to see it naturally could put these, let's say, glasses or, or, or some, some, some form of, of seeing, observing, uh, technology so they could see auric fields and different beings that manifest in a different energetic spectrum than than us so i think it's a matter of time and just being blatantly dismissive um doesn't take us far if it comes to instruments of measure we do not treat life or life alive entities as instruments if we would accept that as part of of our inquiry right it would be a continuum it's it's super funny i mean if you there are some some anomalies that i i are unfathomable to me right Mm -hmm. so quantum physics is exists for a hundred years and some medical students everywhere in the world to my knowledge are only briefly exposed to quantum mechanics they are taught only classical physics in the classical physics I will underline this everything is a machine the cause action thing means that there is a machine everything is some kind of clock more or less complex Life is not like... I started back then by being atheistic, being raised in an atheistic society. The first, the first shock 
that made me become a believer was when I realized as a physicist that we cannot make an egg. We can build a large hadron collider, we can do things unimaginable, but we cannot create an egg. To make an egg, we need a, a hen. So what is life? I, I, cannot, I cannot live just uh, 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 biology because biology relies on, on, on physics, right? It, it has to be, I know that me as a human, if you take me and you put it in a calorimeter, I will not, I will uh, confirm the second, all the thermodynamics. Yet I am thinking, my thinking is not part of the heat that I am, that I am producing. That's not measurable within the frame of physics. Why not enlarge it? Why? I don't care how we call it. Right? This is why I'm saying that, that I am all for a non-dogmatic approach. Dogmas, they have their role because you cannot jump on a building. You have to scaffold it. And that scaffold is a dogma. So it has a constructive role. But you have to be aware at some point in time that you have to enlarge that scaffold. We have to extend it. You have to, to change the dogma, if for lack of a better term. You have to evolve. You cannot, you cannot sit there. And obviously you cannot refute what you do not understand or what your dogma doesn't include as something that doesn't exist. Yes. And then Danielle, do you, you, so those of you that don't know, Danielle does uh, mental health counseling and, and just love counseling and all. Um, how would you see like, I have to imagine because you're working, she can't tell me anything about her clients. I don't truly know, but I have to imagine like, the lack of faith has to affect people's mental health. Oh, completely. But their paradigm is all made up of excuses because they live in their victim story. So mm. I'm trying to shift them into coherence with the opposite, right? The law of polarity. Like if you're going to be this depressed, you have the potential to be this happy, but you can't act in a way that makes you depressed over and over again. And I think the older they get, the more in that mindset they are and it's harder to shake, but it's possible. You describe a, 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 an un, a discoherent situation in which mm -hmm. the person, they come to you to be healed, but they don't want to be healed because they find the refuge or they find some justification or they find some comfort. Yes. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a quote I love. Um, and it's, when you, when you blame someone or something, you remove your power to fix it. Um, it's from Ricky Williams, actually, um, the football player. But what I love about that is my boy Kevin that was on the second show he used to have these principles to live by one of them is internal cause external effect basically what's going on inside creature outside world um, I, don't, I don't know if you can use stuff like that in your counseling but oh yeah I do but it's um, when somebody takes ownership of all the shit that's going on in their in their world because of entanglement because of coherence because of, of the physics of it right that's the science of it and then they have faith that they can like I don't mean faith in like a religious sense I mean like but I, I do kind of like faith in like following signs or their angels or, or whatever the like terminology I basically think of them all the same angels fairies like all of them very similar but like those in between that like guide you and then you just have to take ownership and, and take it to the next place um, we we're talking a little before the show uh, talking about kind of like how it looks like we're at a, a crossroads right more or mm -hmm. less like where the world's gonna kind of take a change yeah. from material to spirit hopefully 
Yeah, it looks like it looks like 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 material civilization. Let's say, let's put it this way. Told us pretty much everything that it could possibly tell us, and now we have to we have to take it from some mundane facts and push it further. And if we want to call this spiritual, I have nothing against. But it, a name is just a name. We have only to open right. up our minds, right? what i'm saying monday if you get a cut and that if that cut is small your body heals by itself it's your body that heals right if the cut is bigger and you need to go to the doctor or if, if you have a broken bone then the doctor will help the surgeon will put stitches whatever the doctor helps the healing it's your body that heals it's not the medicine, it's not the drug. The drug helps, favorizes that thing. It's not the iodine. It, the iodine prevents infection, but it's, I, I still, there is still that body with everything, with all that magic, if you want, with that, that all that wonder. It's beyond magic, it's wonderful, what it's in a body, right? So if we embrace that and we begin to open to those things, then we have to integrate we don't i don't want to 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 understand for a second that we have to 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 throw materialism to the drain no because we need we need materialism we need we need everything that we that we invented right we need to include we need to integrate with a new with a new uh, uh, approach mm -hmm. People have to become more spiritual because they have because we all have to make more. We will still need plumbers. We will still need farming. So all those things are not. We don't want to get rid of it. I I cannot believe that all of a sudden everybody will go into uh, all sign all kind of funny asanas and we only <laughs> need to breathe, right? No 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 no. And it would be a pretty unfunny place, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 right? Mm. So, so th th the idea is how do we, how do we open and how do we help, including through through podcasts like this that I pray that will be, let's say, open minds of of people that may, that may happen to listen to them. Mm -hmm. How do we how do we make those people, especially the young? to which we do not offer too many values. We offer them something very simple. Feynman, when he was talking about quantum mechanics that is very complicated, he used to say, you know what? If you want something simpler, too bad. I can't give it to you. Nature is as it is, not as I want it to be. So complexity is there. People need education, but at the same time, they need an education from a new perspective, if you would ask me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I learned this kind of physics over classical, I would have paid attention. <laughs> I just like, why do I have to learn it this way? They're like, you just have to. But it, it didn't do anything for us. I mean, that's part of the reason why I got out of teaching. I mean, it's not mm -hmm. the only reason, but um, I used to be a high school history teacher, for those that don't know. Um, but I wanted to get into it to like have almost like philosophy discussions. I'm like, well, this happened, and why do you think it created the world this way? And it was obviously not the way that <laughs> teaching's done. So Especially in high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, I, I didn't understand with it. But um, <laughs> I just sidetracked myself on that. Uh, actually, I'll use that to kind of tie into retrocausality. Um, 
so that's probably the coolest thing I've seen in physics. I learned about it on Morgan Freeman's Through the Wormhole. Again, I'm probably going to keep shouting that show out on this because that show was so cool. Um, but in it, and I think they sh- proved it with the double slit theory, or not theory, double slit experiment, mm-hmm. um, where, so those of you that, that aren't familiar, I'm going to have to use some jargon here, but they shoot photons through a slit. And depending on how they want it to behave, the photon will behave. It'll either mm-hmm. be a wave or a particle. And then they changed it. And then it actually, they looked back and it had changed in the past after they changed it in the future. And they don't know what that means for us particularly, but they showed that that actually is true, that the future has an equal impact on the past as the past on the future. So maybe my future self was like, yo, get out of teaching and teach people through free game. I don't know. But like, <laughs> like I'm, that's, that, that, that's at the point I'm at now. Okay, first of all, a, a note, okay? what? things are valid only at some scales right so it would be nice if we could take this and <laughs> do it at macro scale but yeah, it's yeah. not you need to do this experiment uh, it's true that you can do it in a in a high school today i mean you can buy equipment with few hundred dollars you can buy equipment on 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 amazon and repeat this thing in your basement if you want right the 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 two slit experiment is fundamental for one reason if you would ask me right the it's, it gives two different results in the same setting, in absolutely the same setting. It gives two different results depending on whether you want to know where the photon went through or you don't want to know. If you don't want to know, what you see behind the, the screen is one pattern. If you want to know, obligingly, the photon will let you know, yeah, I passed through the right or through the left. But then you will have a different pattern. In absence of knowing, in absence of the consciousness wanting to know, the photon, take it as wildly as you as you can take it, the one single photon will go through both slits at the same time. There is no other explanation because they repeat it. It's not when you, you throw zillions of uh, photons and they combine somehow they took they threw one photon at a time and yet with one photon at a time if you don't oblige that photon to tell you where it went through you will get that pattern and this was the fundamental this is basically was the the big shock of quantum mechanics that that showed that the observer is part of the experiment and from here we can we can go maybe a, a, with a different occasion to something that I love this this difference only exists in English language from what I know the difference between consciousness and awareness okay so but th- that's for another time not for now well shifting back to application mm-hmm. and the paradigm shift itself yeah. how do we educate with energy work right mm. to our youth the next generations um, well I would start by um, reinforcing the idea that education uh, that the young generation receives uh, has to be scientific, a um, scientific that encompasses both the classical and the 100 years old modern uh, quantum. But it has to be a science that is not divorced from from spiritual if anybody gets to understand 
very basic levels of of th that underline quantum mechanics, like this discussion that we we just had about the dual uh, behavior of of the particle of light. This could be both informative and fun, entertaining, nice for um, for children for even young adults, even older adults, I subscribe, to participate in and learn from. The other end is, and it's totally understandable, the fear of engaging with spiritual and spirituality. There is little understanding that spiritual doesn't have to be 100% equated with religious. You can be spiritual even outside a very strict, very so to speak, well-defined um, religion. So engaging with spirituality that's not completely uh, strange from, from physics, engaging with science, physics, um, that's not divorced from spirituality. I think these are foundational. Where am I going with this? When I teach classes, when I teach my courses, Reiki, bioenergetic healing, whatever little lectures, seminars um, I, I do, and they happen a lot in conjunction with yoga teacher training. I offer this, this information and encourage people to, to pursue and expand their, uh, their, their horizon because that's the only way, unless you're willing to expand your horizon even if information comes to you, if there's not the willingness to explore and, and learn, that information is just going to pass by. So there is a willingness, and the willingness comes also f comes from becoming aware that this is a necessity. Because if you do not engage with both spirituality and an understanding of phenomena, the, as, as it relates to, to, to physics, to biology, to chemistry, then there is no future or the future is, is very bleak. And podcasts such as, such as um, yours, I think, fulfills part of the existing, existing um, gap. Mm -hmm. So just bringing information and getting young and old interested in, in, in this and in learning about this. I have an idea if mm -hmm. by the end, if you're open to it. What really helped me buy into Reiki was feeling the energy between my hands. Mm -hmm. What if we allowed our listeners feel their own energy? Alrighty, toward the end I can I can guide a little bit of, 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 of this. Sure. Perfect. I'd love to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have a practical application of mm -hmm. nice. Yeah, that, that that's actually a pretty cool idea. So <laughs> you guys you guys will get a little Reiki training uh <laughs> Yeah, the question, to, to reiterate the question, what can we do with energy healing to, to help? Uh, first of all, it's pretty cost effective. It's not an expensive training. It's not something okay. And it's directly applicable by one person to one's person. Because if you are going to do, uh, if you are going to take just le level one Reiki, or uh, if you are going to do any form of energy healing, the first thing that you will do, even if you do nothing else, will be to, to learn how to heal yourself. Even if you do not learn completely how to heal yourself, but you learn how to feel yourself, and you get, you increase your awareness about where you are and what's happening with you, this would have 
tremendous consequences, I can guarantee, both on a physical, physiological, health, uh, immediate uh, uh, plane, but also if I want to look further at what I believe that it's the key of of evolution, and this is to be aware of the beam in my eye rather than the mode in, in the eye of another. So people would learn to look at themselves with, with in, a, in a positive, not in a selfish way, but in a constructive way. And this will, will, will make them take their life a little bit more in their hands. Mm -hmm. We need that in counseling. They have to be self-aware, but not so fixated on the ego state. Correct. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you would learn to make them feel their energy and see that this thing is applicable and they can see that this uh, uh, changes from a place to another and from a state to another and from a day to another, they would begin. Right. Maybe some of them will be, will be enticed to take better mm -hmm. care of themselves. And one thing, an example, it's kind of instinctual already, right? When you hurt yourself, you immediately put your hands mm -hmm. there. Of, like a kitten licks, licks her wounds, it's just instinctual to put our hands yeah. on something. And mm -hmm. I think that's how Reiki was discovered to begin with. Um, yeah, that played a role in it. I was gonna say that it's gotta, it's gotta play a role in that, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That that is interesting though that like when you do get hurt you immediately put your hands on the on the injury. It's mm -hmm. a again I think I think are the material. I, I think I talked about this in like the, maybe the first second episode, but like I think where we're at was necessary. Like we human beings had to go through the material to learn what we learned from the material, and then we have to find a balance between the spiritual. But I'm sure there was a period where every all the healing was straight like energy healing and then you know we had to learn about mending bones physically and then do the energy healing i think some kind of combination is ultimately the goal i mean i know that's kind of our, our goal is help people get to there um and then another is just kind of like like you said like i don't know what's going to happen but as we become more automated i 100 percent think people are going to start having to go back to the land because mm -hmm. the city is going to be outdated the city was necessary for a period, but eventually it's going to be like the food. We don't know where the food comes from, the process they're putting in it. Some people are going to have to go back to growing food. The city will be more for like a, probably like accountants and in those technical fields. Um, where so many jobs I think are going to be lost to automation. And the only way to save that and, and people would be people getting back in touch with their roots. You see, automation should free time for creation. Mm-hmm. Creation, though, comes back to education. So <laughs> right. just freeing time <laughs> is not going to make it. Right. It ha you have to free time and put something in, in, in place to, yeah. to, to then do that. The world will either look like Wally. -E. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you ever seen that? Everyone's just like overweight and the robots yes, feed yes, them. Yes, yes. Uh, or it could look like just... Wakanda. <laughs> it's like an advanced city, but everyone's uh -huh. kind of exploring their spiritual roots as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. from Black Panther great yeah, movie that's, that's, that's where, where science is practiced in a way that's not divorced from the spirituality I mean with full awareness of what's your heritage what's your connection and your, your duty toward your land and toward your own culture so it's that but again they're not mutually exclusive they actually go, go perfectly hand in hand that's I really like that so that example mm -hmm. Wakanda <laughs> that kind of ties me into this, my weird view on aliens or like ancient aliens right um <laughs> So, again, I think 
when when I hear people say all the time that science we can't explain how people you know created pyramids and stuff like that it goes back to what you've been saying it's due to our own understanding of our own limitations mm -hmm. so like I have three different views basically on aliens one aliens came and, and they helped us create these things two they didn't come it was human beings were actually just far more advanced and then all the different mythologies and religions have like the flood or the deluge mm -hmm. and they might have been wiped out and they might have used like different like almost like Tesla thought Egyptians used a different form of electricity so that would explain the perfect cuts and the moving of the stones that we can't explain now assuming we know everything now which obviously I don't think we any don't. of us here think that or the third would be this is where it gets real trippy almost like future humans <laughs> like came back and like left clues like this is where you need to get to so like th those are my three <laughs> views on aliens yep I don't know if anybody has a take on that uh, on like 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 Stonehenge or or um, what was the one my Uncle Mark was talking about some kind of th th there's something with like a perfect cut these huge stones and it was like there's no explanation for now and it's like well yeah but that's from what we have now. We don't know that we didn't have stuff better back then. You know, I believe that again. We we um, we humans we are reductionists. If we got to know something, or if we believe that we got to know something, it's very difficult to take us out of that box. We are we are we, we create mental boxes. Maybe again, maybe it's just adjust. It's a place to grow. It's like a like a snake that will but a snake will shed its skin in order to grow right so we we have to get out of our mental box i do not know how the world was look was existing 10000 years ago first of all some people said the sphinx is 5000 years or 3500 years the fact that somebody else says no because the way it is aligned if you accept that it has to be aligned with Sirius with whatever that would put it more like 10,000 uh, years back once the academia said 5,000 and you've got uh, uh, maybe teacher um, uh, university professors and whatever and and uh, whatnot uh, based on that assumption then it becomes a self-fulfilling thing. All of a sudden, if you get out of that, you are a pariah in the in the science. And I, okay, so I do not know what happens. Somebody comes, a guy from Denver, Colorado, went to to uh, the Sphinx. He was a geologist, specialist in how the rocks decay, and he show he's been shown the 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 rocks that are that surround the Sphinx, and he said, yeah, that they look like water. Uh, 10,000 11, uh, 1100 uh, 11,000 years ago I do not know what was there to me the fact that they use pulleys and uh, whatever to create the pyramid is borderline ridiculous I mean if I would <laughs> if I would calculate you know the, the the joules and the kilowatts and everything that they would need to put them there first of all we are we aren't we aren't able to do it today if we would if we would be challenged to to build a pyramid today we wouldn't be able to build it easily especially that they say that oh it was built by just a, a pharaoh right so that it means in what in 10 20 50 yeah, years yeah yeah they, they didn't like I that mean, short it's, time it's it's shorter than the than the uh, uh, that tunnel in boston right right <laughs> okay so this is one i you would have a i do not know how they did it i do not know what science did they have and, and maybe they lost it 
We that's, have a ton of science today that we can lose it if one of the guys presses a, a, a stupid button. We can go back to, to, to Iron Age or to Stone Age if we are lucky. Who knows? I don't know what happened. And they keep finding older and older skeletons and fossils showing that people like have been here longer than we anticipated. Yes, and they find the giant skeleton somewhere in Siberia and uh, then would seem to corroborate some funny uh, words in the Bible or in other places. You go to the Dogon tribes, it, tribe in, uh, in Africa and they know that there is a Sirius A and a Sirius B and that you can only see that with the telescope. Uh, but they have their elders say it for I don't know how many hundred years. So I, d I don't know. Uh, again, we have to, to keep open. Mm. I feel like it's a horrible, whole wormhole for another <laughs> episode. I just want to be mindful of time before we can touch on the experience of energy. So, okay, um, yeah, let's get to the experience of energy. Um, before getting into the experience of energy, I mean, this is kind of tied up a little bit. Uh, what we have discussed, what we know, what we don't know technology before after in between um first image that came to my mind was that of a circle um like the dawning of of, of the human species and um the attempt you know to explain what surrounds you when you don't really have this is assuming that nobody came to visit and explain anything by then so um you're trying to explain and you 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 connect with with uh, with the divine whatever the divine takes uh takes uh takes on whether it's um monotheistic or polytheistic forces of nature um whatever has you and so you start basically from the spiritual and then you start developing technology rudimentary but still technology and that technology starts in a sense to kind of demystify some of the things that you thought thought they were 100% mystical in nature like the fire oh it's 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 from gods or from heavens or from wherever but then wait a minute i can make it with two stones and and you know some dry dry grass so gradually it starts like a circle you begin spiritual and you circle and you go materialistic and then all of a sudden in all your materialism you realize the need for the spiritual so basically you close and i realize it's not really a circle it's more like a spiral because next time you begin again you don't run around the same circle you begin a little bit higher so where the spiral goes we don't know where the exact beginning was we don't know but i think the spiral model is a good one and it's this combination alternation of scientific thinking and um spiritual call draw inclination interest that alternates and you know like the dna helix mm -hmm. the two of them growing together wow. so yeah we can go for the um now this is a sharp right or a sharp left, so we can go for the um, um, Reiki. This is not unique to Reiki. The ability to sense energy and then direct it on a body part where you feel that you need it. So for all of uh, all of you who are listening right now, if you are in the car, please pause if you're driving if you're <laughs> operating <laughs> any machinery don't please do don't drive. do this <laughs> as we are we are talking please take a break and come back to it later on if you're at home if you're comfortable sitting um then uh please 
close the eyes, uncross your legs, really um, take a nice deep breath and release it without feel that you're coming home into your own body. Closing the eyes, focus nicely on the breath. Feel each inhale expanding your chest and your abdomen. Hold the breath for a count of two. And then slowly exhale. Hold the breath at the bottom of the exhale for a count of two. Do a few more cycles of this. Inhales, short breath retention. Exhale, short breath retention. And then with your eyes still closed or maybe you want to half open your eyes, bring your palms together and gently rub them against each other. So have your palms touching. You don't have to rub them hard to develop heat. That would be bring bias into what you're going to sense, but just rubbing them a little bit against each other. Now place your hands wider apart, facing each other at a distance that's wider than your shoulders, wider than your, your chest, definitely. And with the eyes closed or half open, what do you notice in your palms, in your fingers? What do you sense in between the hands? How does that space appears to you sensory-wise? If there's nothing there, try to move the hands a little bit closer, very relaxed, not stiffening elbows or shoulders. You can move them closer, you can move them farther apart. There's not no right or wrong to this, it could be any sensation. Okay. Bring your hands together once again. Wrap your palms again slowly. Hold your palms together steady and ask yourself what part of your body right now requires a little bit of care. And notice where instinctive instinctively your hands are drawn to. Could be the face, the head, the chest. Let the palms float in that direction spontaneously. Don't overthink it. Think it. Could be that one hand be on, on the belly and the other one on the tip of your nose. Just making this up. And let your palms make contact with your body. Notice how your body responds to this. hold it for as long as it feels pleasant hold it for as long as there is some sensation or until you feel your hands like peeling themselves off your body automatically and whenever you feel complete you can open the eyes and and this is it. So this would be like a mini, mini 
self-treatment that you can undertake at any time highly recommended before going to bed or those moments at work when you feel particularly under under stress under pressure of of any any sorts i feel so relaxed (laughs) (laughs) do it once an hour on your eyes if you if you spend the day in front of a computer like i do yeah yeah Mm Mm -hmm. i I feel like a pulsing when i do it it's so cool what did you feel how was it for you relaxed i felt relaxed uh my hands felt warm when i finished and put them back on the table I could I, I could see them so your, yours were like having this this halo right around them so glittering yeah <laughs> his cool. aura is really big <laughs> as we have identified yeah. <laughs> you can see them it's like this this glitter oh one last story to end on yes please um, <laughs> I don't know if you were the one that told me it or, or it might have been Higgs or something like that in physics um, one of his friends was a clockmaker, and um he went to the his friend's clock store one day mm-hmm. and he got there and he noticed every single clock was ticking at the exact same second like every single one and he went said to his friend hey um you know super cool like what made you align every single clock how long did that take and then his friend said i didn't it all changed when i brought this big grandfather clock <laughs> they all synced to that yeah was yeah, that's she shared that. Yep, that's mm-hmm. that's something that I bring to every single class, level one, you know, bio bioenergetic healing or Reiki or or anything. And this is to make the point of uh, the importance when you step in a room, you know, to, to deliver um, energy balancing, energy healing, you gotta be the heaviest pendulum in the room. So you can you can help the other person align to what is a healthy level of vibration to reach homeostasis not necessarily vibrate in sync with you but reach a level of cohesiveness that that it is healthy guiding them um you know uh, in in that that direction i've been using that that example in my sessions and i say you have to have big clock energy (laughs) (laughs) you're the big grandfather Mm. clock and and that's your energy yeah the the physicist name is christian hoichens he's he was a dutch physicist the phenomenon is resonance. But because you said something about dance, I'll tell you s- an, an, uh, um, a nice a nice story about Niels Bohr. Because he was Danish, right? So uh, he's been given a, a small castle by the Danish government as uh, for his contribution and whatever. Okay, and on the gate of his castle was a horseshoe. He was reputed for not believing in superstitions. So a journalist asked him, Mr. Bohr, we all know that you don't believe in superstitions. Why do you have a horseshoe on the gate of your castle? And he says, well, as the story goes, that he says, you know, young man, they say that it brings luck even if you don't believe in it. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, these are things that you, you 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 can't. I mean, whether you believe it or not, they they still have an impact. They still have an effect on you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, that was awesome. Um, I, I know we appreciate it. I want to thank Mike and his son who's helping us out today at Gwinnett Radio X. Thank you, guys. Um, as always, you know, hopefully you guys got something out of this. I'm, I'm, I have to imagine everybody did. Um, we'll end the show with try to be big clock energy and, yes. uh, <laughs> and make sure people feel, mm-hmm. your, feel your energy when, when you walk in the room and it's, and it's coherent. 
or, or resonance. Real quick, what is resonance? Mm. Sorry, I, I will do that. It's on this, the ability of two systems of being synchronized, being in phase. Mm. So, like coherence? It is, it is, uh, it's connected with coherence. Uh, coherence would be between two waves, resonance would be, you know, you are in resonance with you if, if your energies vibrate in a way that is good for you, I don't know how to say it, okay? So a whistle Hot resonates noise. on a given frequency. A resonance is, is, resonance is, if you want, it's favoring some vibrations while canceling others that are not in, in line with, with who you are. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Awesome. Yes, visit um, Daniela Samina's classes, Bioenergetic Healing, and Reiki Practitioner classes at Johns Creek and Plum Creek Yoga websites. And then <laughs> how can people follow you? Is, is that possible? Oh, I'll try to, yeah, I'm, I'm inching there. I hope that <laughs> in a couple of months I'll right. something. Awesome. awesome, awesome. Well, we appreciate it, guys. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you. It Thank you so pleasure. much for having us. Bye.